Acts of the Blood God. <laughs>Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey, and with me, my lovely co-host as always, Nadia Oxford. Hello, I am back. And welcome back, Nadia. I mean, you were Thank absent you. last week for our big Final Fantasy XV discussion, but you're back now and we can talk about it a whole bunch. Yes, we can. I'm looking forward to it. Ready it's and willing. exciting. Yes, let's do it. Uh, did, you, uh, did you get to play anything besides Final Fantasy XV while you were out? Uh, I did actually start uh, Persona 4 Golden. Yes, so there you, you did it. I did. I took the plunge. How far are you? Um, I am actually, I'm about five, four or five hours in. Okay. Uh, I'm at the uh, quest where I'm supposed to go back into the TV to save um, the shy inn girl. Mm-hmm. So uh, I haven't done that yet. I'm just kind of doing uh, a little bit of training and I'm debating if I should join a club or not. <laughs> mm, always, uh, well, let's see. These are critical questions. They are. I know. One thing you want to do is connect to the internet and press the screen, I think. Yeah. And you can see all the little, like, thought bubbles on what people did that day. Yeah. So helpful in choosing what you should do that day. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, But it's like, oh, you can join a sports club. It's like, I don't want to join a sports club. I want to join the art club, but I can't do that until, like, the 25th or something like that. And I'm currently on the, the 10th or something like that. There's some serious fear of missing out in <laughs> Persona 4. Like, it would always, like, leave me totally paralyzed because I'd be like, oh, God, what should I do? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to screw this up. <laughs> oh, no. Because it's like, it's it's linear, but there's so many choices. Yes, exactly. All right. So, aside from that, we're going to talk a little bit about Nino Kuni 2. I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience seeing Persona 5, um, the English version. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk a little bit about a game that I have been playing, ST Gundam G Generation Genesis. <laughs> nice. Say that three times yeah. fast. Um, Final Fantasy 15, and that is how we will close it up. We also have some feedback from you people because you have now had a chance to play it. You people. Um, and we can also talk a little bit about the content updates that's coming from Square Enix and causing, uh, I want to say consternation. Uh, a lot of discussion. Let's just put it that way. Yes, discussion. That is the polite way of putting it. Yes. All right, Nadia. So I went to PSX last weekend. You did? Um, which consisted of me flying down to Anaheim on Sunday morning um, and staying there for the day and then coming home that evening and being up until like three in the morning writing like seven thoughts on like what I had seen and all the an- the event an- announcements that had come. You were a machine. Uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, I'm just now recovering. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we had our typical stuff, like they announced Last of Us 2, Mm -hmm. which everybody was very excited about, um, even though it's not coming out next year, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, They announced some other stuff. um, And we got a trailer for Nino Kuni 2. We did. That was a nice surprise. Which um, I want to say I'm cautiously optimistic about. Mm -hmm. I uh, Like I said to you, I actually didn't get to play the first one. Um, It was on PS3. I didn't have a PS3. And uh, I just never got around to it, basically. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, by all accounts, you didn't miss too much. Yeah, but... I've heard divided things about it. Mostly good, but I ha- it does have its detractors. I-, I would say that it has a lot of detractors, actually. Yeah. Um, a lot of people didn't like its pacing. 
Um, it's gorgeous, but maybe that's all it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, interesting thing about Nino Kuni. So the original Nino Kuni was kind of one of your typical transmedia projects from uh, Studio Ghibli and Level Five, mm-hmm. and it, it just seemed like a can't miss home run. Right? Yeah, exactly. And it came out on the Nintendo DS first <laughs> with a big book. <laughs> That's right. Came out with a big book and that had like various puzzles and it was kind of a de facto copy protection because you needed the book to be able to solve the puzzles. Wow, that's so old-fashioned. It reminds me of old PC games. I love that. Yeah. Did you ever play Return to Zork? No, I didn't. But just uh, I remember with uh, Star Control 2 and Master of Orion, two games that I loved on the, the 486, uh, both came with like well, Star Control Two came with this big ass star map, and you had to really zoom in and like squint. And when they ask you like where such and such star was at such and such coordinates, and you couldn't see most of the time, and you get it wrong, and you'd screw up your game. But uh, no, I never played Return of Zork. Yeah, Star Trek Twenty Fifth Anniversary had a similar thing where you had a star chart, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't label any of the planets, so you would have to look through the instruction manual to figure out where you're supposed to go next. And if you just pick a random one, you'll like wander into Klingon territory. <laughs> they always and probably found a way to, die. Yes, they would always find a way to kill you. Like Master Orion, they would give you uh, in, the, in the instruction book. You had a bunch of uh, ships, and you had to type in the right ship when you were asked on the right page. Like it would say, "Oh, type in the name of the ship on page thirty-four, for example." And if you got it wrong, uh, your game would end. Like you'd be overthrown and you would die. Yeah, in Return to Zork, they had the Encyclopedia of Robotica, mm-hmm. and they would give you you would run into a character and she'd be like first let's do a little pop quiz <laughs> a little one and they would tell you to go to this one page and like look up like some like piece of information uh-huh. and like enter a name or something and if you like got it wrong three times you would die yeah that sounds about right yeah so good old-fashioned copy protection <laughs> exactly but so the ds version never came out in north america right and the but the ps4 ps3 PS3 version did ultimately come out did not sell particularly well um, in either country actually mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason uh, my my understanding is that the DS version was not that great yeah. all things considered the funny thing is I actually have a copy of one of those uh, books because <laughs> they were giving them out as uh, pre-order, pre-order awards really? I think, yeah, if you got the special collector's edition deluxe version, you would get um, a little stuffed toy of the creature that comes to life. Mm-hmm. And you would also get a, um, you would get one of those books that was originally attached to the DS version, because I guess they had them in warehouses and need to get rid of them. <laughs> Here you go, free book. Take it. I mean, they were handsomely bound and really cool. Yeah, I am I am pro book, so uh, there we are. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad that you're pro-book. I'd be a little <laughs> concerned if you're anti-book. I am definitely not anti-book. But uh, Nino Kuni 2 will not involve Studio Ghibli this time around, mm-hmm. um, which will give Level 5 a lot more creative control. And we will see if that results in a good game. It looks like... So the original game, like you had little creatures that you were controlling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of like Pokemon in some regards. Um this one looks like much more of a straight action RPG. Right. So uh, I guess we'll have to see, really. Uh, if they're if they're totally changing up the formula, that means maybe they understand something didn't work with the first one. Uh, yeah, I think maybe they're going for more of a mass market, that kind of thing. Yeah. I will say this. It looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my God, it is so beautiful. Have you seen the screenshots for it? I have. They're pretty nice. Oh my God. Uh, nobody does uh, cell shading like level five. Yeah, right now. They're, they're pretty masterful at it by this point. It's, I mean, like a lot of people were comparing um, Yokai Watch to Pokemon Sun and Moon and being like, well, Yokai Watch blows it out of the water. I'm like, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> if anybody can do style without substance, it's level five. Like, that's their, like, that's their calling card. It, it really kind of is. I mean, uh, I don't want to put down Yokai Watch because it's really great in its own way. But uh, in terms of in depth gameplay, uh, I think Pokemon Sun and Moon walks away with that one. <laughs> Uh, Agihiro Hino had this to say about Nino Kuni 2 back in September. We're working hard on it. Its scale is so massive. I believe it's the title that probably has the most staff members from level 5 working on it at the moment. Wow. It'll be a game that you can play normally on your own. Looking back on the previous game with the protagonist and setting in mind, its content was very much geared toward adults, but the visuals did look a bit like it was for kids. Mm-hmm. It may have looked too much like it was for kids, and while we may have, have another young boy as a protagonist this around, time around, we're being careful so that we can make it into something that will be completely feel like it can be played by adults. As far as the world and setting goes, it'll be something that both adults and children could get into, just like a Studio Ghibli anime. It looks like more of an anime... Uh, a level five game than a studio ghibli game like yeah like they have um they've retained a little bit of that studio ghibli look but it is definitely i think the characters in particular look more level five ish mm-hmm, definitely yeah so are you excited sure why the heck not um even if it's just a a pretty looking action rpg I, i'm down with that i yes. it might not make my like you know most impressive game of the year lists or anything like that but uh it for a nice distraction sure uh, i'll go right for it i love the name of the main hero by the way what is it again evan evan petty whisker tildrum <laughs> <laughs> i love the name petty whisker and in fact i am going to go and file to change my middle name petty, whisker. petty whisker like tomorrow that's uh yeah, that'd be an easier name to spell and pronounce than Ethne, which is my middle name. So, <laughs> Apparently it's about retaking the throne and establishing a better kingdom, which makes it a little like Fable 3. Yeah, really? Hmm. Did you ever play Fable 3? No, I did not. Not a good game. So I hear. That's why I didn't play it. <laughs> that game, well, I, I should reiterate. The, the first half, like where you're leading the rebellion, mm-hmm. kind of awesome. Right. But it's one of those typical games where it's like once you're in power, like discovering the the problems of being in power. Oh, yes. And one of the things is like you are aware that like darkness is coming and you need to raise X amount of money Mm -hmm. to be able to fight the darkness. Oh, right. Yes, I heard about that. And you can raise money by like siding with the industrialists that you overthrew or you can be like a good king and everybody will like you, but the darkness will destroy you. Oh, that's a nice. And I was like, well, that's a weird binary choice uh okay <laughs> but the funny the thing that killed me was that the way that it was structured uh you could there was a real-time clock that you could just you could buy property and just sit on this real-time clock mm-hmm. and allow it to collect money for you mm-hmm. and so i could just put my controller down for hours and just let it collect money for me <laughs> And then when I was ready to advance to the next phase of the story, I would go into the thr- throne room. Mm-hmm. So there was no real time limit. And I could make as much money as I possibly wanted and basically have it both ways, which really undermined the kind of the moral of the story, yeah, whatever it might have been. <laughs> Just a bit. It really made me roll my eyes. 
<laughs> so yeah, that was a game that I played. <laughs> that certainly was a game. I hope Nino Kuni 2 is better than that. Yes, me too. In any case, I will look forward to it. It's coming out next year in North America sometime. Hey, I'm going nice. to say probably August, maybe. Yeah, that, that's a safe bet. Good summertime that, game. Good summer. Well, could be a good summertime game. As long as it doesn't come out on E3, I will be happy. Yeah, don't do that. So one other RPG-related note. While I was at PSX, I got to see Persona 5 um, in English um, kind of in in action. Nice. And see the localization going. And kind of make a judgment on whether or not I would be playing it in English or Japanese. Mm-hmm. Uh, the English is all right. The uh, the English voices, you mean, or uh, the, just the... yeah, the English voices. So everything's cool. Um. Well, I mean, it's that typical Atlas kind of or anime kind of. It's really over the top, but it is not so over the top that it becomes grating. Like, it can be kind of charming in its own way. Yeah, like, uh, one thing I noticed about uh, Persona 4 Golden is, like, I don't really feel the need to switch over to the Japanese voices. Uh, I'm pretty happy with English ones. Well, you can't anyway. Oh, that's, that's right, I can't. I was never offered the, the choice. Now that I think about it, you're stuck. Nope. That's right, part of, the, part of Persona 5 delay was, hey, you get Japanese voices if you want them, so... One of the, I'm sorry, one of the dumbest arguments that you will get... Um, among Persona Five fan or Persona fans mm-hmm. is uh, Chie Voice 1.0 versus Chie Voice 2.0 because <laughs> they changed the voice actress um, mm-hmm. for Persona Four Golden. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Team Chie 1.0. She's but... a little, she's a little bit over the top in, in Persona Four. If anyone is um, a gold, Persona Four Golden, I mean. Yeah, well, the inflection is a little weird. Yeah, exactly. But. I thought that otherwise I thought the delivery was mostly fine. Mm-hmm. I, I I just think that the original uh, Persona 4 GA was fine. You know Shane Bettenhausen, uh-huh. uh, former one-up Retronauts stalwart now at Sony, hates Chie. Does he really? Yeah, I don't understand. I love Chie. I identify with her so much. She's the kind of girl that I was totally in love with in high school. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. You know, kind of sporty. Yeah. Um. Kind of like trying to get in touch with her feminine side, but not always really sure like what to do about that. So um, much energy. Very energetic, <laughs> but secretly very insecure. Oh my God. Yeah. And that cute little short haircut. Yeah, that is a very cute haircut. Yes. I like that haircut. Chie, if you can't tell, Chie, Chie is kind of my favorite. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, but I was a real bitch to her in Persona 4 Gold. <laughs> Aww. My favorite so far is Yosuke. Uh, just he- here's a little tip for you. Mm-hmm. Don't get attached. No, pick a girl and stick with her. <laughs> How come? <laughs> well, I guess I shouldn't ask. Yeah, just don't, don't, don't be like uh, what's the word, a Casanova? Oh, I see. Because you will, you will feel the heartbreak. Oh, just saying, pick can- a girl and stick with her. Can I not be gay? Do I have to? Do I have to choose a girl? No, you can't be in love with Yosuke oh. or uh, any of the others. Sorry. Darn. Because I just fell in love with him when I saw him trying, like a stupid idiot, trying to ride a bike and hold an umbrella. It's like we've all done that at some point in our lives, and we gave up after three seconds. But he kept at it, and he ended up in a garbage can. And I'm like, oh, what an idiot. <laughs> Ryosuke uh, reminds me of our mutual friend Ash Paulson. <laughs> <laughs> like just in terms of like energy. Um, kind of like exuberant and over the top about everything mm-hmm. not as clumsy but also earnest and hard-working and well-meaning yes very much so, so. 
my goal is actually to have Ash on the show to do a Final Fantasy 15 like spoiler cast at some point. I would love to talk to him. Um, he's been to Toronto a few times, and I keep meaning to to meet up with him, but I never get a chance. He's um, if you ever like want to see him, he's on Game Explain a lot. Oh yeah, and does a lot of videos for them and everything. Uh, my other favorite Ash story is the time that he stood up in a Nintendo briefing where they were talking about uh, Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And he says, hi, my name's Ash. And everybody in the <laughs> room just freaking lost it. <laughs> Everyone applauds. <laughs> oh, it was great. That's adorable. And it was like E3, like 2010, 2012. I don't even know. Oh, man, that's great. He was definitely there. <laughs> Guy named Ash. Bravo, Ash. All right. I digress. Um, yeah, Persona 5... Um, they seem to have dropped the 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 usage of the honorifics that are a lot more prevalent in Persona Four. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure how I feel about that actually, because it makes it feel a tiny bit less Japanese. Yeah, it does, and it's like let's face it, Persona is a very Japanese series. Yes, exactly. So there's no reason to drop the honorifics in my in my opinion, but that's just mine. I also think the voices aren't quite as distinct as they are in like Persona Four. Mm-hmm. But then again, like, I guess I would have to play it over a long period of time. Yeah, you might just have to get used to them. I might play it in English just because I find it easier to get attached Mm -hmm. to the characters when they're speaking my language. I'm actually surprised at how often that happens to me because I started playing Xenoblade um, Chronicles with the Japanese cast. No, sorry. I started with the English cast and I switched over to the Japanese cast and I was like, I really like those stupid British English voices. And I switched back, and I, I just never looked back after that. Mm. In Final Fantasy fifteen, I I couldn't deal with the English. Really, it's such a Japanese game that I just stuck with them, stuck with the stuck with the Japanese the entire way through because it's it just feels like it's meant to be a Japanese game. No, everybody I, interacts with each other in such a Japanese way. They really do, but I, I stuck with English because partially because I love Ignis so. Oh, do you really like his voice? I, I love his voice. It's especially since he says petrol instead of gas. I guess his Japanese voice is really kind of your stereotypical anime. Like I'm a low key smart guy who's mm-hmm. also like quite pretty, wearing glasses. <laughs> yeah. Like they all have that exact same inflection and voice that he uses um, in the Japanese soundtrack. So, um, if you if you played Final Fantasy 15, sorry to digress, but I, well, it's on my mind. If you played it in Japanese, so what? accent did they give the stupid southern fakey accents in that game for the npcs oh are you talking about like cindy and that kind of thing um i mean she's your super your typical super peppy um kind of scroll girl inflection really yeah like very ganky very energetic oh i'm kind of surprised at that i was thinking for some reason of like uh azumanga dio where they gave uh osaka like a uh a southern accent because Osaka was like considered like a, a kind of the southern region of Japan or something like that. But um, well, they have a very distinct accent is kind of the point. Yeah, um, like people from Tokyo can tell somebody from Osaka like right away. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Neither can I. I don't know a word of Japanese. My Japanese isn't that good. I know the word Nico and that's it. <laughs> um, but I know enough Japanese to be able to appreciate like kind of the. Uh, the inflections that they're using and like the various um uh, god i can't even remember the the word but the the simple the simple phrases that everybody always uses um to be able to address one another so mm-hmm. um and like i said the just the way everybody acts and interacts with one another is very japanese so hence why i kept it on the japanese soundtrack 
No, I kept it on the English, and I'm pretty happy that way, except for Cindy. She sounds like an idiot, but uh, <laughs> otherwise, everyone's fine. Indeed. Well, so uh, this week, I have been playing an RPG of my own. Happy now. Yes, now that I'm done with Final Fantasy 15, And to be honest, I should be... I should really take a break from it because I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I kind of have time now, but I'd rather I should be playing something more nourishing like Last Guardian. <laughs> something educational, something spiritually enhancing. Yes. But instead, I'm playing SD Gundam G Generation Genesis. Well, that sounds like something you would enjoy. I do enjoy it. Um, kind of. Kind of. Like I'm on. I'm so back and forth on this game. So if you're not familiar with the SD Gundam games. Um, it's kind of weird. It's a tactical RPG, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the kind of the main goal of the game is collecting new robots. Mm-hmm. So you start out with like a couple of Gennaro um, units, and then you can get pretty much everything in the game. Um, and you have to figure out how to turn those Gennaro units into all the units and characters that you could ever want. Mm-hmm. And the way you do that is you level up those units and then you can develop them into new units um, or you can go to exchange and it'll give you like four choices and you can spend a little bit of money to just get that unit. And as you level them up and kind of evolve them into new units, that add, you can add them onto your list and then you can build new ones if you want. Um, and then also there are characters and then as you're doing, as you accomplish like various goals like in-game goals, they will become available for you to also buy. So a lot of this game is farming money, mm-hmm. which is kind of okay. Um, every mission is kind of goes in like three phases, distinct phases. Right. There's the the introduction, like story mode, where story portion, where you only have uh, the main characters. Uh, doing some objective from whatever show they're representing because the missions aren't original. They're like, they basically are adaptations of the original, like the original show. That's pretty cool. That's all right. Um, like God knows I've played the missions from the original Mobile Suit Gundam like a hundred different <laughs> times. I bet. So it was really nothing new to me, but it, but they also have a lot of the kind of the side stories and a lot of the side projects. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the games what's really weird is that back in the 90s bandai namco produced a ton of uh games that were like side stories like blue destiny um rise from the ashes uh, lost war chronicles that kind of thing right and they have since like kind of turned them into canon and weaved them into their other games oh geez yeah so so those um, stories are also available to be able to play. And you can get those units as part of your team. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of different. And I've actually had the most fun going through those because they're new stories. And like whatever you want to say about the quality of those games, like the stories were usually pretty good. Right. Usually they were like an interesting kind of like, uh, and meanwhile, here's what was happening on this part of Earth during the One Year War or... Meanwhile, these people were in space doing this thing, or these people were fighting in Australia, or something mm-hmm. like that. So, but you can play the missions in pretty much any order. Um, so, like for example, maybe I'll play the original Mobile Suit Gundam Mission One, and then I'll jump to Gundam 0080, do that Mission One, 
Then I'll jump to 0083 and do that mission one. Then I'll jump back to the original Gundam and do mission two and so on until you complete kind of each story. Right. And you get awards uh, for completing a story, etc. But the whole point through all of this is farming money. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you do that by like killing enemy units, mm-hmm. uh, completing special objectives, uh, capturing units and dismantling them to get more money. Sweet. And then you can turn those into more new units. Um, and it's a pretty powerful loop because you're always going, especially for someone who's like kind of a hardcore fan like I am, mm-hmm. I'm always like, oh man, I really want this unit. And so you're like thinking about like you're working toward getting like certain units and certain characters. And that is like a powerful thing of like, really wanting to have those characters but then once you have them like a lot of the magic of the game kind of falls away you can put because, them on a shelf and look at them well i mean you deploy them yeah. and they're very powerful <laughs> <laughs> and then you just kind of roll through uh you just kind of roll through the cpu and you're like okay <laughs> well that was a thing so that was a thing i guess um like I, once i complete the team i always almost always stop yeah but, uh, see, I don't know a whole lot about Gundam, um, but I do know there are a bunch of Gundams named after the Watership Down Rabbits. And uh, do, you, do you have them? Uh, Gundams named after the ro- bat- Watership Down yeah, Rabbits? Yeah, like Heisenclay and uh, Hazel and um, Fiverr. Uh, oh, I definitely don't know a Gundam Fiverr. Big wig. But no, I don't have that. <laughs> have you ever Have you ever read Watership Down or watched the show? I have. Um, I watched Watership Down. Or sorry, I read Watership Down when I was a teenager. It's one of my favorite books. Damn it! I love Watership Down. Love it's rabbits. a very violent, it's a very, very violent, violent book, book about rabbits. <laughs> about ra- I would love to play an RPG. Holy shit! With uh, what the Watership oh, Down rabbits? That would be interesting, actually. You know, I would love a Redwall RPG. So would I. I would play the, the crap out of that. Holy moly! Like I, I went through a phase where I just read every. Redwall book I could get my hands on. That was a big part of the fandom, too. Mm. Um, so, a couple things about G Generation Genesis in particular. Mm-hmm. It's only Universal Century. Um, which means, so, no Gundam Wing. Oh, oh, no, no emo kids, damn it. No emo kids. Um, and also, even though it's Universal Century, it doesn't have... Um, Victory Gundam um, or Crossbone Gundam, which are very popular Universal Century stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is a super drag because Victory Gundam is, well, the V2 Gundam is my favorite like unit personally. So it's like a hella drag to not be able to get that one. That's too bad. Yeah. Uh, you, men- um, you mentioned capturing other Gundam units to- and assembling them for money, right? Yeah. Um, is every Gundam piloted by a- another human? Yes. Isn't that, that would be kind of mean, though, like, capturing someone else's Gundam, like, and just <laughs> disassembling that it, like, that's like taking apart their friend. They're just faceless mooks. It's okay. <laughs> okay, it's all right, then. And actually, usually what happens is I will capture one, and then uh, I will capture, like, two or three of them, and disassemble two and keep one, just in case I can combine them into, combine them with another unit to create another unit so that I can create it. Franken-Gundam. But I... I like I'm actually still relatively early in the game, mm-hmm. but I've already got a bunch of the units that I want long term. There you go. So I'm already starting to hit that peak moment of, oh, I don't I don't really need to play anymore necessarily. <laughs> but at the same time, like 
So G Generation Genesis like has a new engine. It's on PS4 and Vita. It's so much prettier than the last game in the series. Like the animations are much more interesting to look at. I really like the quests because you can use um, y- y- it gives a lot more impetus to use the uh, s- the regular characters within the game within the stories mm-hmm. because in the past it would always be like well I want to level up my characters so I'm just gonna put put the mission critical character story characters in the ship mm-hmm. and not use them at all because I don't want them stealing XP. <laughs> But now there's an impetus to use them because if they kill a unit, a lot of times a little get gauge will improve. Mm-hmm. And once it maxes out, you can recruit that character. Oh, sweet. Um, and also there are like additional quests that involve you having to use those units, which I actually, I, I, I appreciate. It's a smarter design. Mm-hmm. And the quests themselves, like being used to unlock the characters, the fact that everything's not available from the get-go like modifications and characters and everything is really nice because it feels like much less of a just grind 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 yeah so so awesome. and god knows i have plenty more units to get <laughs> I so bet. <laughs> uh, uh japan made but, a ton of them if i'm not mistaken so here's the kicker it's in english oh really yeah it's you can get it in english um, the Asian version, so like Hong Kong, Singapore, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. has an English uh, language track. Wow. Um, and unlike Super Robot Wars, Original Generation, blah, 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 Moon Dwellers, the English is actually comprehensible. <laughs> it's not perfect. Like, there was one instance where, like, suddenly kanji started appearing, and I'm like, oh, they forgot to localize this part. <laughs> Whoopsie doopsie. And there was another part where... There's a character named Mallet. Mallet? Uh, and the text boxes had him being named Mallet, and the pilot of the ship was named Mallet. But when, if you look at the name under the character, mm-hmm. it would say Mallet or Marret. Oh, okay. With two yeah. R's. <laughs> like, so it was kind of messed up in that regard. Um, but it mostly works because I think they lifted a lot of. Because these are based on the original shows, I think they lifted a lot of the translations from those shows and just dumped them straight into the text boxes. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Which makes it much more comprehensible. Mm-hmm. And the good news is that that makes the menus, like you can actually read the menus and you can actually read um, a lot of the uh, the items and everything. And it's a much easier game to grapple with because the first time you play it, like it can feel really overwhelming because you're like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I get new units? The reason that I'm able to, like, navigate this game so easily is because I've been playing... I, this is, like, my fourth SD Gundam game. Like, I think the first one I played was Wars on the PS2. And then there was World and then Overworld. Mm-hmm. And now G-Generation Genesis. And so, like, I'm familiar with it. But if right. you're starting for the first time, it can be really overwhelming. So ha- having it in English is really nice. I bet. This is like a thing that Bandai Namco is doing now. Like they're releasing them in English for some reason in Asian territories, which makes them a lot easier to import. And I'm just wondering if they're catering to an American audience, like the tiny American audience that is going to actually import these like me. Yeah, exactly. Like why? Like there's probably not enough of a fan base over here to spend that kind of money, but uh, they want to kind of cater to people like you who love the series. So why not? That's not a bad idea. I can never tell if it's actually a good game <laughs> because it does it does 
does some really interesting things like on the tactics like side of things like when you're actually on the battlefield mm-hmm. um there are the way the character where the way the ships interact with each other is really interesting because so for example if you kill an enemy you get to go you get to take another turn right or a max of like three turns or something like that um and if a unit comes out and like goes up to a master unit those two units can attack together Mm -hmm. um and so if you want to do like a ton of damage in one go you can like combine up you can like line up like three or four units together and use them to all attack at once and even better like the units that's like providing an assist won't lose their turn oh that's pretty cool so being able to like blow through the map like really efficiently is like really satisfying Mm -hmm. and it feels very true to the actual shows that they represent like all of the different gundams and their different abilities are on display for the most part it's it's a great ode to the series and if you're like really familiar with the shows and you know all the units like it can be super satisfying to like collect to build up your favorite like combined team and and send them up yeah. But at the same time, like, the fact that I don't, that I never want to continue after I finish collecting my team, like, feels like a bit of a black mark against it. Because mm-hmm. it feels like, well, shouldn't this be interesting enough? Why Why doesn't it feel, why does it feel like a grind? Yeah, exactly. Once I have all the units I want. And I think it's down to the fact that it's too easy. Mm-hmm. Like, none of my units really feel like they're in danger. Mm-hmm. But there is... For each mission actually has a hard and an ultra hard tab. Right. I was going to ask you that. So I might I might start playing on hard now that I've got some more advanced units. Because hard does seem a little a bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. So give that a try. So, and if you lose a unit, it's dead. Oh dear. So like it's, it's like gone. Fire. So you have to build a new one if you lose it. So you have to be careful. Yes. Like it can be pretty annoying to lose like a really valuable unit that you've been building up. Which can happen sometimes if you're not careful. I bet. Uh, can you reset? <laughs> I mean, you can reload, yeah. which I will do. But sometimes you forget to save, and then you're like, "Ah, uh, oh, shit. I lost like all of my progress. God damn it. Darn. But SD Gundam G-Generation Genesis, if you are a Gundam fan and you're looking for something a little bit different, uh, I can promise that it can be extremely addictive, like collecting and building up all of your units. So I would actually recommend importing it i'm playing it on the vita i think it's actually probably best on vita because it still looks great Mm -hmm. it is a great fit for the vita like it's the kind of game that you want to play in kind of bite-sized chunks rather than just sitting in front of the tv all day but you can also get on ps4 so sweet so nadia let's talk about final fantasy 15 yes let's How far are you in Final Fantasy XV, Nadia? <laughs> well, it's hard to judge because, like, I, I'm 20 hours in, but I've been really taking my time with quests and stuff. Like, I think I'm on Chapter 3. I'm, okay, you're in Chapter 3. Uh, and since I got the news about they're, re- they're totally redoing Chapter 13 or something like that, I'm going to take my time. Mm. They're not totally redoing Chapter 13. Do you have it? It sounds like they're making some balance changes. Okay. Some quality of life additions. <laughs> like, they're changing the... So they're changing one of the, like the main weapon that you get in chapter 13 and making it more powerful. Mm-hmm. 
which so the ring like uh it lets you siphon energy from enemies Mm -hmm. and then there's also kind of an x-zone style ability that will make weaker enemies just disappear right and also if you're wearing it and you're dodging uh you'll do holy damage to them Mm -hmm. that's cool so I imagine that what they'll do is they'll make it so that the holy damage is a lot more powerful mm-hmm. and that it will be a lot easier to suck life from various enemies. Because one of the annoying things is like the only enemies that you could suck life from were these like these little characters. Right. Like, these itty bitty little whatevers. You couldn't suck them from like kind of the bigger enemies. You would just have to dodge around them with holy or you would have to X-zone them. Mm-hmm. So. So they'll make it more powerful. And they said they're going to have other tweaks. I don't know what they're going to make, but nothing short of a fundamental rethink is going to make uh, Chapter 13 any better. So. <laughs> By the sounds yeah, of it. I'm serious. That- like, it's just, I don't, I. it was an interesting idea uh, thematically, but it drags on way too long. Is, uh, is that the chapter that has, like, stealth in it or something like that? Yes. Uh, okay, so... Lucky chapter thirteen. Um, Lucky otherwise, chapter 13. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Just, but I'm just wandering around the the overworld, like taking my time. Um, what I said on Facebook, and I think it holds true to a certain extent, is uh, when I first started the game, I could tell it wasn't completely up its own ass, and that's really all I wanted from it. Now, every Final Fantasy game is allowed to be up its ass a little bit. That's okay, and, and you know, fifteen is that way as well. But it's not completely up its own ass. There, there's a difference. And um, that's all I can really ask from it. <laughs> Define up its own ass. I understand what's going on. They're not making up a whole bunch of words to try to deliver a, a story. You know what I mean? Like, 13 had a whole bunch of apostrophes where they didn't belong. <laughs> Put it that way. That is true. Um, on the other hand, Final Fantasy 15 has a country named Insomnia. Yeah, I'm not saying the name. Oh, no, stupid. city named Insomnia. Sorry. <laughs> that, that's what I mean by it's up at that. It's a little bit like because um, I can't pronounce the name of the bad guy I'm supposed to be afraid of right now. Uh, Noctis is kind of a, it's a different name. It's interesting. Uh, I still can't pronounce Gladiola, Gladi, Gladi's name properly. Gladiolus. <laughs> that's it. Is that what it is? Something like that. There you go. Prompto, Ignis, and Gladiolus. Gladiolus. Like, Gladiolus sounds like something off a can of pasta. Eat your Gladiolus. Just say Gladio. Yeah, I say Gladio. Or Gladi. Yeah. They call each other by their nickname. That's how stupid their names are. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. A kingdom named Insomnia. Like, is there a reason for that? Do we ever get a, a reason for a kingdom named Insomnia? Like, is there a story behind mm. the name? It seems to always be nighttime. I don't know. <laughs> okay, good enough. I'll take it. It's not always nighttime, I don't think, actually. But it seems to be dark there a lot. Okay. Well, I don't know. Good Lord, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I- I'm really enjoying it. But you can tell there- there's... It's such a glorious mess, put it that way. It's a, mm. it's a messy game, but I-, I really enjoy it for what it is. There's already a meme going around Japan where Ignis gets hit by a car and he doesn't he doesn't get hit, he doesn't react, he just gets pushed along with the car down the road. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still like standing there in, in his very pensive sort of pose where he has his like finger against his chin and he's obviously thinking about yes. something and he's going way down the road. <laughs> Goodbye, Ignis. <laughs> Final Fantasy fifteen uh it surprised me how well it held together. Yeah. Because it felt like it was going to just be a mess of like random conflicting ideas and like going down to the world where like one moment you're like 
in Europe or something, and another moment you're like in a high fantasy kingdom, and then in another moment mm -hmm. you're like in a truck stop. But it all works and, somehow. And it works. It really I, does. I don't know why it works where it doesn't in Final Fantasy thirteen. It just I, I can't really I can't really put my finger on it, but I just love this idea that I'm riding down the road and Ignis kinda has to I get Ignis to drive all the time. And Ignis just kinda has to stop and let these friggin' monsters cross the street. And then just drives on like it's oh, yeah, like a deer so awesome. or something like and I'm listening to, to like the Final Fantasy soundtrack as I go and it's just it's it's such an odd game and I, I like it for that. It's fresh. It really is something else. It, it, it's like nothing else out there. I think it works better than Final Fantasy 13 um, in terms of the world mm -hmm. because you have a much greater sense of place because you are able to explore it kind of at your own leisure. Mm hmm. Whereas in Final Fantasy thirteen, like you go from like a train to like a city overpass and then like various just random environments yes. that don't really seem to have much of a connection and it's totally linear and you just don't get a good sense of the world and it only gets worse when thirteen two and thirteen three come along because like I don't know, like lightning just becomes whatever the plot demands, essentially. Yeah, and that's another thing, like I like Noctis, even though I really shouldn't. Um, he just, once in a while, has these flashes of personality that, that I really like. Like, you know, I love the fact that, okay, he can summon weapons out of the air, but when he fishes, he just summons his stupid friggin' fishing rod. <laughs> like, yes. it's a sword. <laughs> like, nothing. Um, and then, like, you know, you're like... He, he, you're, you're just, like... Sorry, I'm just stammering here. But um, I just love the fact he's kind of blank for the longest time then all of a sudden he'll hug a chocobo and you're like oh that's so sweet that's so sweet and i love the chocobos holy crap they're so cute aren't they oh my god this is like the best implementation of chocobos in a final fantasy it really ages. is like you stop like at the side of the road and then you just get your chocobo and go careening across the plains like i really love that and i dyed my chocobo blue i blind i dyed mine white um but and I, I think the quest that you go through to get the chocobos are awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. That was great. The Deadeye quest? Yes. So good. And uh, that's another thing I love the fa that really kind of makes Final Fantasy XV work is seeing these, and I mentioned this in the past, just seeing these characters, these, these enemies I've only seen as sprites and just seeing them like come at me with these huge ass teeth. Like, they look amazing. They really especially do. the behemoths. Yeah, I was sitting there just looking at the behemoth's uh, model after it died. I was, just, I was sad when it disappeared. Because mm. I was just like look, looking at the detail on the claws and the, the teeth, and it's like, holy moly, I fought how many of these things in Final Fantasy IV? And there they were intimidating enemies. And just to see this thing stalking through the, the mist and like its tail waving, and it's like, holy moly, that was intense. What do you think of the photos thing? <laughs> oh my god, the stupid. Have you seen my Twitter feed? <laughs> no. You have not seen my Twitter? I've been making like so many stupid Twitter jokes with these photos. It's amazing. Like, there's one where uh, uh, Gladilos and, not Gladilos, uh, Ignis and um, uh, Noctis were fighting hunter bees, and uh, I got a shot of them, like, basically screaming and cowering from these bees. <laughs> <laughs> that was just, so great. Just like, portrait of a road trip gone completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Huge bees. But I, I love the photos. Um, they're really ideal for someone like myself who is an egomaniac and is always looking for, like, stupid jokes to make on twitter so they're a success they really book. give a distinct sense of place mm -hmm. and also a really distinct sense of your journey yes and it is really 
nice to be able to go back through them and kind of go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that guy was a jerk ass. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I also love the fact um, at the end of the day when you go to an inn or a caravan or whatever, you just kind of see them all hanging out at the end of the day, like doing whatever, playing on their phones or talking or reading or Ignis, the first thing he does, he investigates the cooking implements. It's just really neat. I like that when you're driving, Gladiolus like pulls out a book. Yes. And it's like reading super casually, like while you're driving around in a convertible. Yes, I love that. I gotta say, as somebody who rode in a convertible just the other day, <laughs> uh, it is not that easy. No. Because the wind, like, well, for one thing, the wind is like messing with your hair. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just... Like, it's just blowing the wind, blowing your hair all in your face, which is the most annoying thing. And also, there's, uh, you you get the wind pollution, and there's, like, rocks flying everywhere, like, <laughs> tiny little pebbles flying everywhere. Like in space. Yeah, but this is LA, granted. Yeah, very dusty. I can't say I ever had that problem riding a, uh, first of all, I haven't ridden in top-down cars too often, because you're not going to see those so much in the northern climates. People don't bother buying mm. them. No. And definitely no dust and rocks flying around here. Uh, I will ask you a question, though, since you know Japan better than I do. Does nobody wear seatbelts there? Oh, no, they totally wear seatbelts. Okay, because um, so I don't know if you've ever noticed in Western media, but we're nuts about our seatbelts, which is fine. Everyone should wear their seatbelts. Uh, but in Final Fantasy XV, you just have Noctis sitting up on the back of the uh, the thing like it ain't no thing. I think they just didn't want to bother rendering the seatbelts. Oh, I don't blame them. Like, that that's fine. But like I said, if you ever watch, like, a kid's cartoon in the West, like, you will not see them without their seatbelts. They will, if they're being pursued by a monster, they will stop and buckle their seatbelts. I think by law it's required <laughs> that they have to, to do that sort of thing. But, uh, no, they sure didn't do it in Final Fantasy fifteen. I mean, not that they drive very fast there. What do you think of the, the battle system really quickly? Uh, like the rest of the game, it's kind of messy, but it kind of works. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a good way of putting it. The only th- I, I feel a lot... I feel a bit less harsh knowing that at the end of the game, there are some like really powerful enemies that if you don't use the battle system properly, you will get rolled. Mm-hmm. I can see that being the case, definitely. Main story is a little too easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are, there are definitely powerful monsters that I've heard about from friends who say, wow, I cannot beat this guy as easily as I beat everyone else. Like You have to know what you're doing. Yeah, there are a couple that are pretty annoying, but most of the time you can muddle through just by using different potions. Mm-hmm. Like, as long as you keep your potion stock, like, totally filled, you're going to be totally okay. Yeah. There was only one enemy that, like, rolled me so hard that I actually ran out of potions trying to keep all of my, my party alive. Mm-hmm. And what it ended up coming down to was I let my party die. No. And then I was just... um warping on the wall points and basically hitting them get a couple slashes in warp back up warp back down hit them a couple times with the slash warp back up i'm very bad yeah i'm very bad at point warping like i can warp into an enemy without a problem but like when i see a warp point i and i try to warp to it i always miss i I don't understand what i'm doing wrong there really um it takes practice yeah Um, don't lock onto it maybe that's my problem yeah, if you don't lock onto it, you'll usually just zip right to it okay. for some reason. <laughs> sure, why not? But you definitely want to lock on enemies because otherwise yes. you will miss them. Yes, that I've learned. It, it's an art form. You'll get it. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the news? And we talked a little bit about it, but the news that there are going to be patches. 
Uh, I am not the least bit surprised because um, while some parts of this game are so well polished, other parts, like I said, Ignis being pushed down the road by cars, <laughs> that sort of thing, mm-hmm. there are definitely areas where you, it really needs some patching. It so I'm I'm okay with patches, one hundred percent. Let's face it, uh, I'm glad that we live in an era of patching because Final Fantasy VI. This is that's a game where you could use a legitimate move and completely screw up your game, like if you do the whole sketch vanish thing. So that's the sort of thing that you know Square would have patched in the old days, but they had no means to do it. So uh, it's a big, ambitious game with some problems. So yeah, go ahead and patch whatever you need to patch, dudes. Um, I do kind of feel for people who muddled through that uh, chapter thirteen mess and. Uh, like me? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the game. It's, the patch is not going to fix it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm hearing different things from different people who say, like, who were so mad because they went through all that. And um, but they're, they're... anybody who th- anybody who thinks that the patch is going to completely fix Chapter 13 is dreaming. I'm just saying that. Yeah, but they're adding other stuff too, like story stuff, which lots of games do that. I honestly don't that's have true. a big problem with the patch because this game was troubled from the beginning. Like. They kind of had to rescue it the same way they rescued Final Fantasy XIV, right? Yeah. So I'm not. I didn't expect perfection. I didn't get perfection. But uh, if they want to fix the problems, by all means. I wrote an article um, basically saying, "Look, you don't have to wait until the patches drop to be able to enjoy this game. Yeah, like I saw it that. is quite enjoyable. Pre-patch, um, the the arc makes it made sense to me. I, I don't know what I was missing. Like it." was a very clear coming-of-age slash uh, coming-of-age arc about a character becoming king and growing up to become king and understanding what is required of the king. Yeah, like, I can't say I'm too far into the story yet, but I'm really not having a huge problem following it other than stupid no. names. But it, it's... The, yeah, exactly. It's very simple. Like, yeah, you're right. Uh, boy, it, it's a coming-of-age story. It's uh, part of what I was me- what, I, what I meant when I say it's not up its own ass. It's a very, very basic not that it's not it's much less it's much less abstract than Final Fantasy 13 exactly where you had like two gods who like marked people who with destiny mm-hmm. who had to do a thing and you're like going what <laughs> <laughs> and there's an evil pope for some reason there's always an evil pope. who like turns into like a giant monster I don't know right Final Fantasy 15 made a little more sense like the villains like motivations were pretty clear mm-hmm. um the final moments were really sweet um, in the comments, so friend of the podcast, Elliot Gay, um, actually had an interesting comment on the subject of the patches. He said, people are kind of freaking out to this news, but as far as I'm concerned, this is a much better alternative to what normally happens. International editions. Yeah, that's right. I saw that comment. That's a great comment. Let us not forget that we are only just now getting the much improved Final Fantasy XII Zodiac edition, or that we only just recently got both Kingdom Hearts Final Mix editions. Both of those games added new gameplay, balances, boxes, important story cutscenes, new endings, areas, etc. Mm-hmm. Square Enix has almost always released revised director cuts editions that made the originals inferior. This is arguably no different, except this time we in the West are actually getting it, and we won't have to buy the game all over again either. That's right. That's a very good point. I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, as far as I know, these are all free uh, fixes, of course, right? Yeah, and even the, the cutscenes that they add in... Like it adds a little bit more texture so to some of the more minor characters. Yeah, some of the um, some of the NPC models are not very good. There's a particular character. There's a particular character um, 
that is like a I guess people are feeling a little confused by because he like comes in and out of the main story because the main story's focus is on Noctis and his friends. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff happening kind of just off screen mm-hmm. that you're aware of, but you're not really sure what's going on. Kind of like Harry Potter, actually, yeah. like I compared to that. Um, and then there's a point where you find him um, and there are a lot of like papers scattered around him and everything. Mm-hmm. And with the help of a few cutscenes and then also what the papers say, you can pretty much understand exactly what happened to this guy. You don't need like an extra cutscene to be like, oh, oh, I need to know what's going on with this guy. Right. So, yeah. So I, I think that maybe the like reaction to this is a little overblown people freaking out going that's not a finished game what the hell uh screw this i'm like it's a free patch yeah that is like patching in like actually if you relatively trivial things to be perfectly honest some balance changes to chapter 13 some new cutscenes, um a new game plus which admittedly is very welcome Mm -hmm. and i'm glad that they're adding that in Mm -hmm. maybe that should have been in the original package but at the end of the day, it's coming out for free. At least they're not charging DLC. Yeah, like, um, I I honestly don't understand what the fury is all over. Uh, not everyone is furious about it, of course, but uh, there are some people who are very angry about it, like, saying that, yeah, right, that, that uh, Square Enix lied about it being a finished game, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but it's about as finished as any AAA game in this day and age, you know? I mean, yeah, it's fine for the most part. I mean, it's got flaws regardless but those aren't the kind of things that are going to be addressed with a patch yeah (laughs) in my opinion um i think the fury is over the fact that increasingly games are released kind of less finished than a lot of people would like Mm -hmm. um they'll be missing critical features they'll be missing like they'll have like very big problems and like the day one patch has become kind of the crux for all of this stuff Mm -hmm. absolutely the crutch sorry the crutch for all this or like post-release patches are kind of the crutch and people feel like they're being screwed a little bit especially the people who pre-order a game yeah but uh that's why i don't pre-order yeah um so i can understand that people are annoyed by this because this is the thing that honestly goes back to the 90s back in the days of like pc games coming out and like advertising a multiplayer mode and then going oh but the multiplayer mode won't come out until a patch Yes, that's right. Because the game is, like, literally not finished. Final Fantasy XV is not nearly that bad. No, no. But there is a contingent of fans who are like, oh, the story, like, doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, there are these characters who just kind of drop away, and you're, like, going, what the heck is going on with these guys? And there should have been a new game plus from the start. And Chapter 13 is garbage. And I can't believe they released it in this state. Well, it's um, like, as what for are they playing at? Characters who drop off, like, hello, Chrono Trigger, Shala. They made a whole game around that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they sure did, didn't they? <laughs> they certainly did. <laughs> My point is that there is room for criticism. Absolutely. Um, for these kinds of practices. But I don't, I don't think Final Fantasy XV is unplayable without the patch. No, which absolutely is not. what some people are asserting. I don't think that's the case in the least. No. And honestly, like Final Fantasy XV is a much more minor offender compared to a lot of games. Mm-hmm. See No Man's Sky. Yes, uh, that was a th- that was a thing. <laughs> and, that was uh, definitely a thing, and that game deserved kind of all the criticism. To, to Square Enix's credit, too, from the very start, they're they're communicating with us about what's lacking and what's going to happen. Whereas No Man's Sky team, uh, let's face it, we heard nothing for months. 
Yes, exactly. Like literally months. Yes. People were like, where is, where are they? What actually ever happened? There were so many conspiracy theories around this, whereas Square Enix are just like, oh, okay, this is what's coming. And uh, yeah. So better to speak up than to not speak up. Indeed. All right, Nadia. Yes. Before, uh, yesterday I solicited some comments from the fans who, for the podcast, because I was like, what do you guys think? Like, how are you liking Final Fantasy 15? Because they've been playing. I'm sure they have thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, people are now finishing the game. They've had enough time to be able to wrap it up. So here are a couple of emails that we've received. Hooray. Uh, Joe Anderton says, I finished Final Fantasy 15 last night with 45 hours on the clock. And by the end of it, I'm not sure how I felt. I know how you feel, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people know how you feel. I came out going, I think I liked it. Did I like it? I'm not sure. What a weird game. He said, the opening eight chapters of the game made me smile so, so much. Mm-hmm. I love driving around and taking in the scenery with the old FF tunes playing, the banter between my party, and the mashup of fantasy and 50s road movie. The combat definitely needed polish, flying trees, enemies and trees be damned, but that was fine. <laughs> Dusk game proved the combat through feedback and a patch. I didn't even care that the plot was taking its time because it totally felt like it was on PS1. We'd be in the first half of disc two or four. Mm-hmm. Then when the Leviathan stuff happens, it became a totally different game. Linearity I can deal with. Final Fantasy X is my favorite game ever, but the story rushed to get to the ending so quickly and skipped over so much character development and motivations and potentially interesting events. Instead, we get the slog. That was chapter 13. (laughs) The story felt like it needed to be a Final Fantasy story all of a sudden and have that darkness versus promise, but it was so badly done, it felt like it had been pulled out of an old filing cabinet in the last minute because Square imposed a deadline. Hmm. Um, He like goes on to talk about some spoilers, which I will not share. Having said that, I did get emotional at the end, partly because Yoko Shimamura's score is so good. Yes. And interviewing her self-promotion there was a dream come true. Oh, congratulations, Joe. Nice. But also because of all else, Final Fantasy XV created characters I really bonded with over the course of the open world journey segments. Mm -hmm. That's why this series has always been so close to my heart and why XV was both joyful and excellent, but also left me feeling cold. I totally get that with all the time they had, the team focused on the first half of the game. That's what you market, and that's all the all a lot of people are going to play. I get that not everyone would wait another year or two, and it's a miracle we actually got this game at all. But it's still kind of crushing to see what should have been a triumphant return to the top, trip and fall backwards on the way. Joe Anderton. Mm-hmm. Well, something that Parrish brought up, I think it was Parrish, or maybe it was you, uh, is that... Um... Final Fantasy games changing their format in the middle of the game is really, it's not new. Like, no. Final Fantasy VII did it, uh, toward, more towards the start of the game, but uh, going from Midgard to an open world, that was a big shift. Some people didn't like it, actually. Um, and of course, Final Fantasy VI went very open world versus linear in the, from the first half to the second. Uh, but I can't comment on the second half of Final Fantasy XV, because I'm not quite there yet. Uh, every time I want to progress in the story, Dave has another dog tag for me to find, and I feel bad for not collecting it. Uh, at Sloppy Midkiff wants to know, what's your favorite way to get around the open world, Nadia? Chocobo. Um, I mean, I would fast travel a lot, but sometimes I would just get in the car and like enjoy myself. Yeah, especially since I said it so that I would gain AP, and uh, I'm going to go for experience as well whenever I take long car trips and long Chocobo trips. It would be perfect for me if I could somehow find a way to stuff a CD up a Chocobo's butt and make things that come out of his <laughs> mouth. That'd be perfect. I mean, you know that you can buy an MP3 player, right? Can you? Yeah. And you, you really? Where? Where? Uh, I forget, but you can totally buy one and you can like just turn on the music when you're just walking around. Oh, man, I, I got to look for that shit now. Yeah, like it's in one of the stores, I think. Now that you mention it. There is definitely an MP3 player. Oh, man. 
chocobo rides forever. <laughs> exactly. Although, uh, riding on a chocobo, like, it can be a bit of a hike if you're just riding the chocobo. Yeah, but it's fun. Yes, I suppose it is. All right. One more question. Uh, some more thoughts from Sasha Holesh. I have around 30 hours of my save and just finished chapter four. The fight in area with Titan was very well done. Enjoyed it a lot. Here's some thoughts. So far, I have spent a lot of time in the open world section doing side quests and hunts. The game reminds me a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yes, absolutely. It creates the same feeling of awe when exploring the world and collecting photographs. I did so many screenshots in XCX. Not having to drink thanks to Ignis gives me a gives the game a nice relaxing vibe. Sorry, drive. <laughs> not drink. Drive. Don't drink and drive, guys. The fact that Final Fantasy XV does not try to give its NPCs a day and night cycle adds to this as well. Try to find trying to find an NPC that changes its location throughout the day because realism or even vanishes completely breaks the game flow of so many RPGs. Mm-hmm. It is great that FF15 is focusing on being a game before anything else. Mm-hmm. Games should be gamey. I wish it would be more of a game in case it wants the player to warn warn about something about upcoming quest. It failed for me at the point before approaching the dungeon at the end of chapter four. The player is warned by Arden that we are approaching the point of no return, but it's not really clear what this means. Will I not be able to return to this part of the world for a while? Will all my unfinished quests be gone? Will I just not be able to exit the dungeon until I finish it? It is nice that the game wants to immerse me into its world, but it is being a game first in so many other places, but why not here as well? As a player, I would very much prefer to get a text box telling me clearly what the greater result of accepting the next story quest would be. Sure, I could make a save, but maybe I won't find what the result is before investing another big amount of time into the game. My gaming time is very limited because besides work and family life with children, therefore losing progress due to ambiguity can be an actual game breaker at times. The really the recently announced story updates to the main game are another such issue. I'm not very far into the game, but we'll hold off on progressing the story further. I don't like the possibility of a better story if I play the game later. I certainly would not replay it after finishing it due to the limited gaming time available. Mm-hmm. I'd rather invest that into other games I am interested in than replaying a story basically told already. I would have preferred to push the release a little bit further. Patching game content and bugs is of course fine and necessary, but practically patching the story feels like too big of an issue. People finishing early might be left with the feeling of having played a lesser game. I am not arguing whether this is objectively true. The subjective feeling alone can be more than enough to remember the game with a bad aftertaste. Very sad if the initial impressions are actually very good. All in all, I very much love the game. 30 hours and only finishing Chapter 4 probably document that. In many open-world games, side quests can be quite bothersome, but not in Final Fantasy XV. The beautifully designed scenery makes running around worthwhile and fun. The photographs Prompto is presenting when taking a rest make it even better. Also chocobos. And cute baby chocobos. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, That Chapter 4 bit that uh, was mentioned, uh, is that uh, when the game kind of goes linear? No, it goes to linear after like chapter six or seven. Okay, because now that you now that, uh, the letter mentions it, um, there was also another point where at the end of chapter one they're like, "Oh, you're not. This is a point of no return," but uh, it really wasn't. You, you could go back like Im- almost immediately afterwards. So I don't know why I got that warning. So I understand when they say a point of no return, um, it makes it sound like you'll never be able to go back to the open world. Yeah, but you totally can. <laughs> yeah, by dog power, as I recall. Yes, power of dog. Dog. <laughs> dog. It is really cute, actually. Um, one question. What do you think of the side quests? Um, as I recall, you said they were kind of Skyrim-y, right? Like in terms of uh, 
Skyrim-y in the, like, that they're kind of radiant quests, yeah? Yeah, so they are, but I find them satisfying enough. That I mean, let's face it, I'm wasting all my time doing side quests, especially, like, I love the frog hunts for some stupid reason. <laughs> <laughs> they Too fetch questy. They're very, very fetch questy, and I don't mind that so much, but uh, I can see why someone wants something more story-oriented. Yeah, well, I mean, I was spoiled on the side quests in Witcher 3, exactly. let's be honest. Yeah. Like, say it, like, I, like, Witcher 3 is not my favorite game of all time, but I really respect the craftsmanship mm-hmm. that went into it, mm-hmm. and the side quests are just awesome, because they're multi-part, they tell their own story, and they're interesting on their own. Yeah, and you don't really get that with Final Fantasy fifteen, at least not what I've no. seen. I mean, some of them are kind of interesting and fun, like, there's one, like, all of the det- all the chocobo side quests are are fun. Yeah, those are great. Because it's like stuff like, oh, um, finding an egg for a black chocobo, um, finding a chocobo and like getting a picture with it, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that, right? Yeah. Well, that's kind of fun. But like collect a gemstone. No, I'm not going to collect a gemstone. <laughs> I don't care about your gemstone. I'm not going to go look for it. But I like- And the hunts were just okay. Yeah, I, I actually pass on most of the hunts. Um I, don't I did them just to keep my levels up. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Just as a kind of like a natural progression kind of thing. We were like, well, that's money and also XP, so whatevs. But uh, I sort of wish that some that there were fewer hunts, but that they were as well done as the Dead Eye hunt. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to to see, yeah, more of the more. Because if they had done that, that would have kicked ass. Yes. And then to make them like all final classic Final Fantasy monsters, like. Tomberry. Oh God, yes, that would be amazing. Um, Cactar. Mm-hmm. Um, Behemoth, of course. Behemoth. Um, the Iron Giant. Yes. Stuff like that. Like, do that. And like, make fewer quests, but make them like really pop yes. with iconic monsters. Yes. Instead I would of just have done like that all day long. Schlub monsters. Yes, it's like, oh great, I get to kill more mind flayers. I hate mind flayers. <laughs> mind flayers suck. God, I hate them. That's when that's an instance where volume can kind of come back to bite you in the ass. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Some sometimes quality is better than quantity. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion, though. Ah, <sighs> yeah. But Final Fantasy fifteen. Uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. I I actually want to get back into it um, soon and do some of the post game content, uh, specifically kind of doing some of the extra side dungeons that i missed out on the first time mm-hmm. there's one dungeon that i was trying to do like where you're climbing up a volcano mm-hmm. that's pretty cool it wasn't a bad dungeon but i couldn't figure out what i was supposed to be going for right and then i wondered if i was supposed to be coming at back at night oh right because sometimes stuff only happens at yeah night. yeah uh well so. you can wait for the new game plus um, um they didn't say when that stuff's coming out right uh, no, they did not give a timeline. Right. I am definitely interested in the character-driven DLC. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like, uh, I felt, well, I'll be honest, that should have been in the game. Yeah. Um, because I felt like the side characters were a tiny bit underdeveloped, but whatever. I'm just glad it's going to be in there. Me too. Better, uh, right. better late than never. Axel Blood God, US Gamer Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are sold. Follow us on social media, on US Gamer, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, The Works. We're usually US Gamer or US Gamer Net. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. You can find Nadia on Twitter at Nadia Oxford. 
And of course, check out her blog, Tiny Girl, Tiny Games. Do you have anything on your blog that you've been writing lately, Nadia? I'm in the middle of a piece that should be up very soon. Um, I will say for you as gamer, though, I'm actually in the middle of writing a, a preview for uh, Dragon Quest VIII on the D, uh, 3DS. So that'll be up by the Ooh. time this is up. Yes, I look forward to reading it. I look forward to playing especially it. Be- especially because you are the final, the Dragon Quest Eight master. I am. Were you happy with what you saw? Yes. Can you give me a spoiler? Yeah. I I was uh, I was generally very happy with what I saw. Um, it was just like a video presentation, kind of going over right. a little bit of what's different, and what's new. Um, it, it looks like a lot of fun, and uh, you could actually get a black saber cat. Ooh, you can black saber cat. You can summon it with a, a like a kind of an expendable bell, but uh, just the fact that you can get a black saber cat, I like that. Didn't they change the orchestral soundtrack? They did. Um, unfortunately, that's the only thing that kind of makes me go boo. What a drag. Yeah. Does it look as pretty as the original PS2 game? Uh, more or less. Uh, I think there's a... If there is a downgrade, it's not very noticeable. But again, I was looking at a video, so I can't say, like, you know, without it in my hands. Hmm. Um, I have heard some complaints on for the Japanese version about some slowdown, but uh, I don't know if that's true or not. And there's also the fact that 7 had a bit of slowdown, but it wasn't too bad. Pity it didn't come out on the Switch. HD Dragon Quest Eight that's portable? Yes, yes, please. I'll take that. Oh, my God. Well, over on the site, we're doing our end-of-year awards right now. We are. And I think next week we are going to kick off uh, two weeks of our end-of-year essays, mm-hmm. our customary end-of-year essays, and we're also going to do awards. Christmas is coming up. Yay. And here on the podcast, um, within the next couple of weeks, we are going to do our customary end of year discussion mm-hmm. around the best rpgs of the year dragon quest 7 fire emblem fates tyranny um and many other rpgs as well and so a small one called Final that. 15 indeed and <laughs> of course we'll keep checking back on you about your uh progress to persona 4 golden because i really want to hear what you're thinking hooray last note um if you want to Send any thoughts, uh, any comments, any questions, or an RPG pitch. Uh, send them to cat.bailey at usgamer.net, and I may read them on the show. And, of course, if you ha- want to have a bone to pick with us about our discussion <laughs> uh, from earlier today, whether it's about No Kuni or ST Gundam or Final Fantasy fifteen, also feel free to drop us a line. Nadia, thanks for coming back on the show, as always. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Uh, of course. And until next time, I've been Cap Bailey. We'll see you again. Happy adventuring. 